Hey, it's Kirsten. Do you feel like you're spending way too much money on supplements? When I started out on my health journey, I was also shocked about how expensive high quality supplements were, especially as I was upping how many I was taking. That's why when I became a practitioner back in 2018, I started offering my clients a way to save up to 25% off many of their supplements through a company called Wellevate, which is spelled W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-E. Through Wellevate, you can order many of the supplements that you're already taking, like Pure Encapsulations, Gaia Herbs, Enzymetica, and others at discounts of up to 25% off retail. And shipping is free for orders over $49 within the United States. The only way to buy supplements through Wellevate is through a practitioner, and I will earn a small commission at no additional cost to you while you're saving money. So if you want to start saving upwards of 25% off your supplement bill, go to the resources page on my website at carefullyhealing.com forward slash resources and go to the Wellevate section. You don't have to be a client, just set up your account and start saving. I'm Kirsten Ramstrom, a certified holistic health coach, and welcome to the Quest for Healing podcast. Whether you're just starting out on your health journey or you're farther down your path, I've created this podcast to inspire and inform your health journey through first, some extraordinary healing stories from real people, second, an exploration of some intriguing healing modalities, and third, through conversations with enterprising people who are making a difference in the health of our world. Welcome to episode 50. I can't believe there are even 50 episodes of Quest for Healing. It was probably close to three years ago when I had the idea for this podcast, and I'm so happy with what it's become. I have truly enjoyed getting to meet so many people through the podcast, not only the guests, but some of you as well. So if you've been enjoying the podcast, if you could do me a favor and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, I would truly appreciate it. Reviews help others learn more about the podcast, and they tend to help the algorithms as well. And while algorithms aren't my favorite things in the world, what is my favorite thing is making sure that everybody who could be helped by or inspired by the podcast gets to hear it. And I would really appreciate anything you could do to spread the word. So with that, let's talk about this week's episode. It's one that really hit home for me, and I think you're really going to love it too. It's all about how when you're on a health journey, doing the emotional and the spiritual work is also a key step in the process. And my guest this week is shaman Eileen Crispell. We dive into the intuitive experiences that led her to realize that she was a shaman during her own health journey, and also how detoxing our bodies can enhance our intuition and also bring up a variety of emotions, some that may need tending to, and some that are just being released as we detox. And then we talk about some of the things that you can do to start exploring this when you realize that that time has come for you on your own health journey. There's so much good stuff in this episode, and I even picked up more as I was going through and editing it and prepping the transcript, because like you, I'm still on my own journey as well. So don't be shy about coming back to this episode more than once if you're called to. And with that, let's go to the episode. Eileen, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you, Kirsten. I am so happy to be here. I'm so excited for you to be here too. I think you have such an interesting background and you are literally the first person I've ever met who is a shaman. And I'm so fascinated by this. So I'm so excited to dig into your story about your past and how you came into this and to learn more about shamanism. So thank you so much for bringing this to us today. 
Oh, you're so welcome. It's kind of funny. I even still, it's funny to call myself a shaman. <laughs> it's not culturally something I ever grew up with or ever understood or ever thought would be true. So it's an, a fascinating subject because it scares some people and it intrigues other people. And so I love to tell the story about how I got here. Awesome. And I do think a lot of people have sort of an idea, a preconceived notion in their head of what a shaman is. And I agree with you. Culturally, I didn't grow up with that either. And it's one of the reasons why I'm so curious about it too, because it's not something I know a lot about. And I have found over my life, often the things where we have ideas about something that's sort of distant and far away from us, they aren't necessarily always accurate. Well, it certainly wasn't intentional on my part to become a shaman. I mean, you know, when you're in high school and they say, what do you want to be when you grow up, right? (laughs) (laughs) This was not even in the realm of anything I was thinking about. Yet I have no doubt that it's my true purpose. And I didn't get here until my late 40s. And that's okay. And shamanism is funny too. It's one of those things. It's not like something wrote in a way. It's not like when you go to a chain restaurant, you know what you're getting every time, right? So to be a shaman, each shaman is very individual. It's one of the reasons I like it, but it's also one of the reasons it can be very confusing because there is not one way to be a shaman in this world. And just like we would talk about with a practitioner, if you're going to see a practitioner of any kind, you want to make sure you're with the practitioner is the right one for you. Because lots of practitioners, as we know, fortunately and unfortunately, will tell us many different things. So you got to find the one you trust and you feel right with. Same thing with being a shaman is that how any one person practices being a shaman may be different. So it's really important to find that one that you connect with. Fantastic. Well, why don't you take us back in your journey a little bit and talk to us about, I know you've been on an interesting health journey as well, but take us back and tell us how all this wove together. All right. So I was an architect. Uh, So when I was in high school, (laughs) I said, what do you want to be when you grow up? It was designer architect. And I went to school first to become an interior designer. I worked in New York City for 10 years in the corporate world. And I went back to grad school and became an architect and wound up eventually owning my own architecture firm. And I was a green architect. And all of these years of doing this thing that I was really good at, and I did like it to some degree, I was miserable, but really couldn't even come to terms with that on my own. You know, how can I say this career that I put two decades in made me miserable? It's a hard thing to do. Then at a later in life, I got married and I had a child at 41 and a child at 43. And so I was uh, had two little babies and I was running an architecture firm and I was bone crunching, exhausted. I lost six family members within six months time, including my mother. And I just crashed and burned. So it was sort of the greatest time of my life and the toughest time of my life. And on my healing journey, I (laughs) wound up being a shaman and giving up architecture and really just flipping everything around. So how did that come to be? Well, so the first thing I did is I had to come to terms with, I didn't want to be an architect anymore. Admit that to myself, then admit that to my business partner and my husband. (laughs) And, you know, that was a little journey. And then I just went, I rented a a one-room cabin on a horse farm for a month. And I took my kids and my husband came out and found us on weekends. There was no internet, no phone, no TV, no nothing. And uh, we even forbade friends and family to come visit me. (laughs) It was just me and the kids on this horse farm. 
And that's really when my healing began. I had a journal, I had a stack of books, and I also went and found a doctor. I got really lucky. I found a doctor in New York City who was rather well known. He was integrative. And he said, you got to get off dairy, you got to get off sugar, you got to get off fermented products, you got to get off gluten. And he didn't put me on meds. He started having me take 5-HTP and some things that we're all familiar with. And something shifted in my body immediately. And I started to get better. And I started to go through a lot of really bad detox symptoms. So I knew there was something in this. But I also started having really, really, really unusual experiences, the kind of things that we don't always talk about (laughs) in public. And I didn't know what to do about them. What were some of the unusual experiences? Well, we lived in a house with a lot of spirits in it. And this isn't something that I, this is a world that actually used to terrify me, keep me up at night, terrify me. Mm -hmm. And then I had two little kids who were experiencing this the way I had when I was little. And I couldn't ignore it anymore. As soon as I started to clean out my body, my extra senses exploded. And I literally couldn't ignore this ability that I had anymore. And it's not like you can go to a doctor, right? Who do you go to when you're experiencing these things that are weird and other people might think you're crazy? (laughs) Can you describe a little bit about what the experiences were like specifically and some of the things that you were going through? All right. So I think there's a couple of things that I can talk about that I was experiencing. This normal parts of the world can be a little overwhelming because you feel what other people are feeling and you know what other people are thinking. You're kind of like a human lie detector (laughs) and you can be in situations where you're like, something's not right. And you feel it, but everybody else is acting as though it is right. And it can be a really strange thing to say, but it's not. Something's wrong here. And you may really know what you should do, but everybody else is telling you something differently. And how do you marry that? How do you do this thing that you know you should do? What, how do you deal with the overwhelm of, I used to talk about walking into Walmart, right? And it was just an overwhelming experience for me. Um, because people don't really know how to hold and maintain their own emotions. And they, so they're just, every, everybody's hanging out, you know, their underwear is not hanging out, their emotions are hanging out and you're picking up on it. And the world becomes a very difficult place to be in. One of the things that was happening is I discovered that I was spending a lot of time and energy making sure other people felt good and it's not my job. Right. And that was taking up a lot of my time and energy. And part of the reason I was exhausted all the time. Mm-hmm. I was an architect, but what I was doing on the job site is I was called in whenever people didn't agree with each other. And architecture is famous for <laughs> architects and builders and and the people building the buildings having conflict, right? So I was chief in charge of all relationships, basically, is what I said. And now I had two little kids and a husband. And I needed to be chief in charge of those relationships, not my contractors' relationships and my employees' marriages. And, you know, I had employees used to say, oh, you should be a marriage counselor, (laughs) right? Not my job. So there's just lots of things like that, that suddenly the world can feel really overwhelming. Your body gets clean and you get more in touch with your empathic skills, more in touch with your intuition. And we don't have these classes in school. We don't know what to do with it. 
And we've often used these skills we have unknowingly to survive certain situations. And when we do that, that's when often the skills wear us out. And if we can turn that around and know when and how to use these skills to help ourselves and others, what happened for me is these same skills I was using on the job site to get everybody to get along that was exhausting me. I now use those same skills to lift other people up and it lifts me up too. That's the flip that shamanism gave me. I think that's so important. When I started out on my health journey, as I've mentioned many times on the podcast, I was working in New York City. I worked in finance. And at the time I was working around, I'm just going to call them some very toxic people. And about a year and a half into my health journey, I realized I don't want to do this anymore. The, so many of the things you said just resonated with me. And I have a feeling they're going to resonate with everybody who's listening to because all of a sudden my body started getting cleaner and I started realizing that on an emotional level and on a spiritual level, there were other things in my life that just didn't fit. And I needed to clean that up too. And that's when I had somebody that I was working with. I was working with a chi healer at the time who was very helpful for me, but she helped me work through sort of the dichotomy of how this just wasn't working for me. I had one part of my life that was now working on all cylinders and another one that was sort of a mess that I needed to clean up. Very true. And in, in fact, this is sometimes why we kind of avoid, like, why did I avoid admitting to myself that architecture was not the place for me? Well, because it meant that every relationship in my life was going to change. <laughs> And it meant telling myself and other people some very difficult things that they may or may not like. And so sometimes when we think we're going to face those things, we imagine them, we don't see the reward and we imagine them as very difficult. And so we avoid them in lots of really sneaky ways. <laughs> and part of the work I do with people is to let them see that there is a huge reward in facing these things and managing them. And well worth whatever hard it is in the meantime. And in fact, you will wind up in a much better place than you will avoiding them. It's just like our physical healing journey, right? We may not want to drink that celery juice every morning, but the reward for doing so is so great. And the thing that a lot of people don't think about is the cost of not doing it is really not what we want. Absolutely. Same for the soul, yes. same exact thing. And in fact, the, the soul and the body are so intrinsically connected that frankly, you, you really can't address one without addressing the other. But because culturally, we don't really have that as part of our psyche, we just let go of that soul piece. We don't know what to do about it. It confuses us, it's overwhelming. And well, I'll just keep drinking my celery juice and hope everything is okay, right? Or food, right? We're all having to give up foods that are it's an emotional connection. That's a difficult journey. Like coffee was the hardest thing I ever gave up, right? And now Anthony tells us, well, of course, because it's stealing our soul. You know, there it is. There's that soul and food connection. And so dealing with the stuff in your soul helps you on your healing journey. It helps you so that you're not being further damaged by your healing journey. And your soul is going to show up. As soon as you start cleaning out your body, your soul's going to go up and go, me too. <laughs> I'd like some attention and healing too, please. It's so funny that you put it that way because I remember exactly where I was and it was literally that all of a sudden the light went on and I was like, oh, 
oh, I need to do some of this work now. This is the next step in my journey. I've had a year and a half of cleaning up my diet, but all of a sudden it was that moment that just hit me. And so for anybody listening, if you're wondering, is this the time for me? Generally the light bulb will go on and it will let you know. (laughs) If you're asking that question, the answer is yes. Yeah. If you're listening to this podcast, your your tweaked interest is telling you something. Absolutely. And it works the other way around. I have people who get stuck on an emotional piece and I go, let's do some liver cleansing. Brilliant. And it opens them up to some of the emotional pieces. There's a real back and forth, you know, which came first, the chicken or the egg. (laughs) But um, so that's why when I went through my training, I had already worked with Anthony. Mm-hmm. And he was just coming out with the books. And so I I got to go through my shaman training with the focus of Anthony's truth. And it was brilliant because I got to really get this connection between the body and the soul yeah. and how important it is. And he talks about that specifically in Liver Rescue, that when you're doing cleanses, as you're cleaning out your liver, it can bring up old emotions. And so it's so fantastic that you brought that up in connection with this because it is, it's all those pieces in the body and the soul and the mind work together. And that's amazing. Absolutely. And this is some of the stuff, most important stuff we work out because, and this is why I tell people it's so much easier than you fear (laughs) because I've gotten really good at now and you know, you can get really good at this. So you feel an emotion and I always stop. Okay. First question, is it my emotion or am I feeling somebody else's emotion? Because if it's not mine, the truth is you literally can't do anything about it, even if you wanted to, that everybody has to take on and heal their own emotions. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that clears my plate. <laughs> yep. Secondly, I live a detox lifestyle. So is this something old that's just coming up and out? The answer is yes. All right. I just need an hour or a day and we're done with this, right? I don't have to analyze it. I don't have to look at it. I don't have to heal it. It's just going. Mm-hmm. That clears the plate, right? And Check then, too. Yes. Right? So then if you're left with something nagging, you know exactly what to deal with. And, you know, he talks about in the first book, he very specific about the difference between the heart, spirit, and soul. I do a lot of work with people figuring out, for them to recognize what's in their heart, what's with their spirit, what's with their soul, because it narrows it down even more to figure out what it is, where's your damage or where's your strong spot? Is your heart picking up for where your spirit's leaving off because your spirit's a little wounded? So it actually makes the process of figuring out what we need to do really, really easy and clears the plate of so much stuff that we don't need to deal with, that it's a wonderful process. I just had a client who I'll put this out soon, but you know, she's like, this work feels like a vacation for my soul, right? We fear it so much, but this is what my clients are saying. It's a vacation for my soul because it's such a relief to go, Oh, all that stuff. I don't have to deal with it. (laughs) And I can really focus on exactly what I need to have my better life. Mm. It's a beautiful process. It is beautiful. Oh, amazing. I've got tears coming to my eyes just listening to this because there's so much of it that just resonates in my soul from the journey that I've been on too. And I love that you're out there doing this work. And I'm so glad you're on the podcast for this. Thank you. This is awesome. So specifically, how did you find medical mediums work? Did you find it through that integrative doctor in New York City? No, I found it through a friend. But what was interesting is that I had my first call with Anthony and 
I serendipitously had a doctor's appointment the next day. And my doctor had got me to a certain point, but I was still stuck. And I hadn't figured out this soul stuff yet. And I got on the phone with Anthony and, you know, in five minutes, he told me my whole childhood and, you know, why I was sick and what it was and how to heal it. And my doctor was an unusual man. He let an energy healer work through his office and he was a little bit psychic himself. So I figured he wouldn't mind me talking about this. And I wondered what he'd think about the protocol. And so I, I spilled it. I told my, you know, Western medicine doctor about this man I talked to in the whole conversation. And he said, I told you some of that. I said, yeah, after 28 vials of blood, you told me some of that. (laughs) This man told me this in five minutes over the phone. And he's like, all right, what does he want you to do? So I laid it out for him. And he's like, that's a good protocol. You should do it. And so I was really lucky to have this immediate Western doctor give me, say, go do this. And I just healed. My body healed. And my my experiences got even bigger. (laughs) And that's when I started seeking, all right, well, who's going to help me with this piece? And I sought counseling. Then I went to every alternative practitioner trying and and another huge stack of books. And the best advice I got actually was at this point, don't let anybody else touch you or do work on you until you know who you are. She's like, go rent another house for another month. Take a stack of books with you. I don't want you seeing psychics. I don't want you seeing energy workers. I don't want you letting, because I was getting pulled in all kinds of directions. And my question was, is this it? Is this it? Is this it? And she said, do not let anybody work on you until you know who you are. And this is actually what I help people with. There are lots of things we can do out there. Lots of modalities that are wonderful. But if you don't know who you are, you're not going to know whether they're the right thing for you. You're not going to know if they're wonderful for you or not. So you have to start with who am I? Really feel that in your heart, your spirit and soul. Who am I? And then you've got a base for everything else you want to do out there. Oh, my God. That's just brilliant. And I got to rent another house for a week. So, I mean, a month. (laughs) Which is awesome. Right? (laughs) Which is awesome. And I feel like, and right before we started recording, we were talking about this a little bit. Right after I quit my job in New York, I did this road trip and I went to Sedona and I rented a condo and I, sp- I, I literally, as I drove into Sedona, I thought one month isn't going to be enough, but it was the same thing for me. I didn't really know anybody. I knew one person in Sedona. All I wanted to do was have time to myself and go hike. And I think basically what I was doing was trying to get to know myself outside of everything else that I had been dealing with in my life previously. That's exactly right. And we can't all, for lots of different reasons, go on that road trip or rent that house, mm-hmm. but you don't have to. And that's that's what my business partner and I wrote this program that we have, which we can talk about, is exactly for that. It's exactly for that. It's get to know yourself, know your heart, know your spirit, know your soul. I started this work long before I met Anthony and did this. I know that now in hindsight, I wouldn't have known it then. But when I was in my 20s, my mother said to me one day, I think you're living other people's lives, not your own. And it really struck me when she said this to me. She was right. And 
A friend had taught me the Sanskrit word naham, which just means it's not mine. And I spent two full years in my head. Every time anybody said anything to me, I would think to myself, naham, it's not mine. And I, I, I was so immersed in other people that I really had no, I didn't even know I was immersed in other people. I didn't know how disconnected I was from myself. And after two years of repeating Naham, 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 it's not mine, it's not mine, it's not mine. During that process, I started to literally feel in my body when I would be talking to other people, I start leaning towards them. And I could feel like this little tug in my chest. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I never noticed that before. So I would just lean back and go, Naham, it's not mine. And I found that I could listen to people and not get exhausted. And it's a simple trick, but I had to notice it first. And this is why the work is actually quite, it's why it is the vacation to your soul, as my client says, because it's really simple. It takes you getting quiet, starting to ask yourself these questions. Is it mine? Is it old? And giving yourself that minute. To what does that feel like in my body? Because everybody will have different feelings in their body, but your soul is talking through your body all the time. And when you start to recognize that, you start to have a lot more power in all of your situations, all of your relationships, your jobs, all of it. It affects everything. One of the things that I started learning a little more about, it was when I was in Sedona, was listening to your inner voice and essentially listening to your soul. That's how I think of that too. And I think it's important if you haven't done anything like that before and you're trying to start listening, keep in mind that there are, I think of it as sort of two pieces. And you can tell me if you think of it differently. There's your soul that I feel like speaks to me. And then there's my mind that it does a lot of speaking about a lot of stuff. And it's very busy. It's very opinionated. It will tell me things that aren't very nice to me. It, it's a whole different conversation and it has just a whole different flavor to it essentially than when I know my soul is talking to me because my soul is always there for me and it's always there to help me and it's always there to guide me. But sometimes it gets easy to get it confused with the mind noise, which is not always complimentary and helpful. Well, I could talk a whole podcast just on that subject. <laughs> So yes, that's exactly right. And what is that other voice? You know, one of the things I tell people is we we have very powerful analytical brains and we have them for a reason. We're not supposed to ignore them, right? It's not one or the other. But we live in this culture where we're taught to have a lot of prowess with our analytical selves. And this other side is ignored. So it can kind of goes a little funky or, or atrophies. Our analytical selves need our intuition and our empathic skills, that when they work together, this is when we're most powerful. So that other stuff that you hear, <laughs> when it aligns with your heart, spirit, and soul, with your intuition, that's when you're like, that's the full body yes that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. So those other things, there's lots of sources. Lots of it is things that we heard and were told were true long before we knew better. It's the voices of ancestral damage the voices of school teachers. They got inserted long before we had an opportunity to choose whether that was true for us or not. Now let's get into the shamanic part of this. There are energies all over the place. We're surrounded by them all the time, like it or not. 
and we can hear them, feel them, sense them. They are influencing us. And it's only in our ignorance of that, that they can be harmful. When you say shamanic energies, can you be more specific about what those are exactly? Yeah. People who have died and haven't left this earth or there's all kinds of things really in the shamanic realm in the shamanic belief system, everything has spirit. So trees have spirits, animals have spirits, grass has spirits. And there are unseen things that maybe we don't even have words for. You know, you can think of energies like people. There are beautifully compassionate people in this world. And there's the complete opposite. And there's everything in between. Okay. So there's unseen things in this world, unembodied things in this world that have the same spectrum. Beautifully compassionate, right? Angels to completely the opposite to everything in between. So it's not that we don't want to be influenced. We love to have angels, right? Lots of us love to have angels helping us in our life or perhaps past loved ones that are coming from a really a place of compassion and knowledge and are here to help us. But there's other than that also. And if we're just afraid to look at that, if we're to ex- afraid to accept that's true for some reason, then we kind of open the door for being influenced by things we don't want to be influenced by in a way we don't recognize right? Fear is all, always the true enemy. And when we're able to sort of accept that this is true, or as I tell people, suspend your disbelief for 10 minutes. What if it is true? Right. And I feel like so many of us who get to this podcast have been following medical medium. And that was sort of the exact conversation I had with in my head as soon as I picked up the first book. And I was like, okay, suspend my disbelief in the fact that he's getting this information from spirit and read what he says and then see what you think. So I think, I think our audience is perfect for this. <laughs> well, I'll tell you my, this is not my husband's world at all. He's in technology and sales. And I loved <laughs> when I had one of my more rougher days, he also has a degree in psychology from an Ivy league university. And he said, I know you're not crazy because I know the definition of crazy And I've worked in mental hospitals. And the definition of crazy is that you believe something to be true that is not. And he's like, but this is true for you. You're not making stuff up, right? So this is what I always say to him when he has a hard time grasping something that I'm working on or doing. I said, can you suspend your disbelief for 10 minutes and pretend it is true? And it often opens us up to go, oh, wow, have these light bulb moments. There might be something to this. Mm -hmm. And maybe I don't have to be afraid of it. Maybe the reason I fear it and I'm resisting of it because I don't have a tool for it or an understanding around it. And when you do, when you know to drink celery juice, right, it's a relief. It absolutely is. Absolutely. That clarity is what brings the fear down, right? That's right. Yeah. I used to be afraid of the dark in the worst way, (laughs) you know, as a kid all the way into adulthood and through my own training, I just dropped my fear. I'm not afraid of what's in the dark anymore. I know that what's in the dark is there to help me. And if it's not, I can recognize it. And part of the empowerment of, of this is understanding that, you know, just like you get to choose your friends, you get to choose the energies and spirits that are around you too. Just because you can't see it, because it's not embodied, doesn't mean it has any power over you any more than another person. You get to choose. Brilliant. 
So can you tell us a little more about as you were going through this? So you'd found medical medium, you've started exploring and learning more about shamanism. How did that impact your healing? Well, that medical doctor that I had said two really key things to me. One, as he said, you didn't get this way overnight. You're not going to get better overnight. Don't call me in three months because you're not healed and complain. And he said, two, I won't work with you unless you get emotional help. Because if you're not dealing with the emotional aspects of your depression or whatever, you're not going to heal or you're not going to heal as well as you could. And then all of this crazy stuff that was going on, my, my kids were starting to experience things in our house that were unexplainable and it was scaring them. And I thought to myself, well, if I've got kids like me and I want them to understand how to manage it, then I've got to understand how to manage it myself. And that's when I really got serious about that part of myself and beginning to to try and get mastery over it. So I went to a psychic first, not for her psychic skills, but for counseling. And she said to me, you've got a spirit in your house, but it was her house first. And you're trying to make her go. And she's pissed. She's like, you can't live in this world without being near spirits. Go home and make friends with her. I was like, really? (laughs) I have to do that? Yes, go home and make friends with her. So I went home, told my husband. And even though this is not his world, we stood there with our kids and we said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry we've tried to make you go. I'm sorry we've been afraid of you. I get it. This was your house first. And we are happy to live here in peace with you. All the things stopped immediately. All of them. And I recognized when I accepted the fact that this was true and real, then I could communicate with her. And I found out she loved us and she loved my kids and she loved we were in the house and all the bad stuff stopped. So it was a real metaphor for me to start embracing who I was and embracing what's real in this world and embracing truth because every time I resisted it, it wasn't good. So all of this long history that I've had with these kinds of things has really culminated in, um, I work with my business partner, Amy Jones, who's also a medical medium person who also came to her own healing with her kids through medical medium. And we found each other quite serendipitously. And she is also works as a shamanic practitioner. And we put together this nine-month program which we call Rewild Renew. And it's really about doing all of the things that I've talked about here. It's about finding out who you are, finding out what you're resisting so that you can embrace it, and really building your foundation back up of your soul, your heart, your spirit, knowing it and knowing how to use it knowing how to grow it so you can have those full body yeses that align with your already beautiful analytic prowess so that everything in your life works better. And one of the things that I say to people, it doesn't mean that when you become empowered, it doesn't mean that you're not going to have problems anymore. What it means is you handle them differently. You don't get as taken down. You recognize more quickly when you're going down a road that's not going to take you where you want to go and you you recenter, you redirect and you know how to use the tools to do so. 
So you recover much faster. You wind up less damaged by the things that you go through in life. And for me personally, in my late 40s, I found my purpose. (laughs) I found how to work in this world and not be exhausted by this world, right? Every single relationship in my life got better. Yeah. So there's nothing our soul doesn't touch. So when we're ignoring our soul or don't know how to, to be kind to our soul, it affects everything. Right. And I think it's so important, especially right now, as I listen to so many of the lives that Anthony is doing, and he's talking about how the world may be changing, and he's trying to let us know what's happening, some of which is scary, right? Some of which can be triggering for people. But it just strikes me that as we get to know ourselves deeper through this entire process, which, you know, on the podcast, I call it a health journey. It's really a life journey, right? Correct. (laughs) To understand the context of the information that he's giving us along with our sole purpose and what we're here to do and better ways to deal with what's going on around us. It seems like this is just, it's the whole package, right? Absolutely. I don't think Anthony started out (laughs) talking about healing our souls, but honestly, that's what he's helping us do. Right. And he's always had a little of it in the books. Like if you look at the first book, (laughs) there's always a little bit on the angels. There's a little bit on meditations he acknowledges it, but his biggest focus has been on the physical and on the protocols and killing off the bugs and things like that. But I do appreciate that he has at least brought that into the, he's introduced it into the picture so we can bring people gradually forward. One of the things I love about Anthony's books is that you read them and reread them and you keep finding new stuff. And since his books came out as I was going through my training, I was skimming them, I was searching them for these soul pieces. And in his first book, he says, our soul needs to be sufficiently whole in order to move on to our next steps when we leave this world. So it it was there from the beginning, but we were looking for the celery juice pieces, right? Mm -hmm. That's the thing about the soul is we know that our journey here in this human body is finite. We aren't going to take any of the stuff with us. The long game really is with our soul. And so if we're not focusing on that in some way or shape or form, what's going to happen at the end, whenever that is, we do Mm -hmm. want to be strong and healthy and stay here as long as we can and in our relationships with the people we love. But one of the things shamans do is we study death not in a morbid way, but because it teaches us how to live. And it teaches us how there is something after here. And, you know, I say to people a lot, (laughs) they don't want to deal with something. Do you think that when you're gone, the problem just that's in your soul just goes away? You know, if you aren't going to deal with it now, when are you going to deal with it? I don't really, I can't tell you. I have some ideas, but Do we deal with this when we're not in our human form? Do we come back to deal with the same problem again? Because we didn't resolve it the first time around. I don't really know, but I do know for myself, I'm ready to move on to the next problem. (laughs) Thank you. Can I just, can we get over this one? So that's, uh, I think that gives a lot of people motivation to, to start looking at some of those things. 
Okay. So can you tell us a little more about your nine-month program? You've given us sort of the general overview about what it accomplishes, but are there more details you could share with us about it? Yeah, sure. It's nine months. It's three trimesters. It's a little bit like rebirthing yourself, really. I love that. Right. (laughs) So it's body, heart, spirit, and soul are four of the things that we really focus on. There's um, an old shamanic tradition of sort of you take yourself apart. You, you look at all the pieces, you fix each piece and you put yourself back together. And it's kind of like if you went and had your car fixed, right? They'd pull the engine apart, you know, replace whatever's broken. They might even soup it up a little bit, put it back together and your car is better than new, right? We can do that with our heart, spirit, and soul. And so that's what this program kind of does is it helps you to take apart all of your pieces and look at that. And trimester two is looking at sort of our hope, trust, and faith, our beliefs. And how is that interplaying with our body and our heart and our soul? And are we acting upon our beliefs? Do we know what our beliefs are? Because our beliefs are driving us. And if we're unconscious of those beliefs, then we're unconscious of what's driving us and where we're going. And that the third trimester is about us in the world. Boundaries. Brilliant. Right. Two modules on boundaries <laughs> because lots and lots of people really need to work with boundaries. So that third piece is like taking these first two pieces and integrating them and how now how do I act in the world? What what do I need to do in my relationships? What do I need to do with my purpose so that I can really integrate what I've learned about myself? And by the time you've done something for nine months, it's become kind of habitual, right? We're creatures of habit and that's fine. But when we have habits that we're unaware of, don't know what they're doing for us, right? Then where are we going with it? When we become intentional about our habits and, you know, if you're trying to give up a food, right? And you take that, whatever your issue is, take it through the program with you. Mm -hmm. If you're having a hard time living on these protocols, living this new way, take that through this program with you. Actually, one of the reasons we structured this, like each trimester has three months with materials because it gives you time to go back through the materials again. Because one of our number one requests from people was, I want more time with this material because every time I listen to this, I get something new from it. The program is really built. So it's not exhausting. It's not another thing to do. The program is built to be the antidote to that. It's about making your life easier, not harder. And when that becomes a habit, Again, it's not going to mean that you don't have issues in your life, but you're going to have a much different way of dealing with them, which will give you the soul's gold that Anthony talks about (laughs) instead of stripping you down. It's how you take your struggles and turn them into the soul's gold. I think we could all use more of that. My goodness sakes, especially, (laughs) especially in this day and age, right? It's September of 2021. There's been a lot going on in the world. We're all trying to just do our best. And wow. There really has never been a more important time for us to do this work. And, you know, if you are empathic and intuitive or or sensitive in any way, honestly, the world really needs you right now. It needs you at your best. And so what do we all do? We put everybody else first. You know, this is the moment that you take a little bit of time to really heal your soul, heal your part, and then you can help other people but from a much stronger place. And yeah, there has never been a better time or more important time to do that. Earlier in the episode, you had mentioned that 
there were a lot of books that you had brought with you when you were doing your retreats on your own. Are there any of those books that you would recommend that people could take a look at if they were interested in just starting to explore this aspect of their health journey? Well, it's interesting. One of the books that I got the most help from was a parenting book. It's called Simplicity Parenting, and it's written by a man who's an expert with children who have anxiety or or, or those kinds of issues. And he's got a, a bit of a background in understanding Rudolf Steiner and Waldorf. And he just, he talks about rhythm and simplicity in our life and how important it is for children who have anxiety or um, ADHD or these kinds of issues. But I extrapolated everything into every part of that felt true to me as an adult. And so these really simple concepts helped me to bring those simple concepts into this program, into my life. Specifically, if you're very interested in shamanism, I studied at the Foundation for Shamanic Studies, and that was started by a man named Michael Harner, and he has written a couple of books, but one of them is The Way of the Shaman, and it'll give you a taste of shamanism. He So he, as a young man, was an anthropologist and wanted to study shamanic cultures around the world. And what's fascinating about his work is that he did go to all of these disparate cultures who had no contact or knowing of each other, and yet they were doing and experiencing the same thing. And so he said, there must be something to this because these people have no contact with each other and it's they're having the same experience. And this is why I say, really, shamanism is about being human. And that's what happened for me when I found shamanism is that, oh, all these weird things, uh, other people experience this and have for thousands of years, I'm hundreds of thousands of years. Oh, and there's a way to manage it. Oh, and it's trying to tell me something. (laughs) Um, So really it taught me how to, to know my soul and be human. It's not, I mean, some people do use shamanism and really unfortunate ways, but it's not the shamanism. It's that's what those people are doing with it. Okay. And then there's a, one more book, which is written by a woman who studied with Michael Harner. Her name is Sandra Ingerman and it's called soul retrieval. So if you really want to start thinking about making your soul whole, she kind of has a lot to say about it from a shamanic perspective. Fantastic. And so those are great resources. I think So if somebody just wants to start dipping their toe in, they can start taking a look at that. And if people wanted to find out more about you and your program, where could they go? Find me on Instagram. You can find Eileen Crispell on Instagram. You can find Rewild Renew on Instagram. And I also have a website. It's just EileenCrispell.com. Great. And I'll put links to all those in the show notes too. And I wrote posts almost daily which are intriguing little stories. (laughs) Yes, they are. I have followed you online for years at this point, and they are intriguing stories. I love it. Yeah. I just want to thank you very much, Kristen. This was beautiful. I love to have an opportunity to talk about this stuff. I, I just, I really would love for everybody to just take a moment, be quiet and say, soul, what do you want to tell me today? Let's go have some fun today because you know, your soul wants you to be joyful in this life. Yeah. And right now that's getting harder and harder to feel like we can do. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Well, I so appreciate you being here. This has been wonderful and highly educational as I expected it would be. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much. 
I really hope that you found this episode helpful. Show notes for this episode, episode number 50, are generally available through your podcast provider, but they're also on my website at carefullyhealing.com forward slash podcast. And I'll include the links to the books that Eileen recommended as well and where you can find her if you want to learn more. If you're looking for additional support on your own health journey, you can learn more about how we can work together directly by going to my health coaching website at carefullyhealing.com or by finding me on social media on Facebook at Carefully Healing and on Instagram and YouTube at Carefully Healing with Kirsten. Thank you for joining me today on the Quest for Healing podcast. These discussions are not intended to provide medical advice, but rather to give you examples of methods and modalities that you may find interesting, informative, or helpful. Please work with your doctor as you undertake your own health journey. Hey, it's Kirsten. Before I started out on my health journey, I didn't know how poisonous many of the cleaners I used in my home were. Then when I started trying to clean the toxins out of my body, I started to question if the cleaners I was using were just adding back more. And how does that make sense when we're using toxic chemicals to get things clean? So imagine how excited I was when I found non-toxic, fragrance-free, essential oil-free Branch Basics cleaners. Now I use them for many things around my house, including scrubbing my kitchen and bathroom, cleaning my juicer, and as the laundry detergent for cleaning my clothes. Plus, it's also the soap that I use to wash my fruit because it's also sodium laurel sulfate free. So check out branchbasics.com. Their starter kits make it so easy to get started and you can use my code carefullyhealing, which is all one word, for 15% off your purchase. And because I always want to be upfront with you, this is an affiliate link, so I will earn a small commission if you buy using my code. But I only recommend this product because I love it and use it myself. So if you're ready to start cleaning your home with a healthier cleaner, go to branchbasics.com. <laughs>